The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. So, um, how's your last week been, Jerry? It's, a, it's been mostly exciting. <laughs> Son, say about 30 seconds the other day, but uh, it's. It's been uh, it's been such a fun ride, and you know I, I know it was a, a tough way to walk off the field in game one, but you know, the, the positive is that our our lineup is doing really good things, and you know for the most part we have dominated most of three games we've played in, and and uh, you know that fell apart a little bit on us at the end, but that's that's part of it. Can, can we go back to the beginning, just since it's been a full week since we've spoken and we'll get all the way through this, but let, can we just go back to Friday and be in it at uh, Roger center and the way that game started. And then what, what Luis Castillo did over his seven and a third, what were you thinking watching him? You know, the, we've talked about it. That's what dominant postseason pitching looks like. And, you know, I, Luis had it and a presence and you know when you think of the best performances that you've seen in postseason it almost always is associated with those two trails big stuff big presence and it's part of the reason why we love the the rock and then how about saturday how about the most epic comeback that we have seen just the third time in major league baseball history as far as playoffs go coming back from seven down take me to saturday's emotions uh you know, as on friday we we just felt like we were in cruise control watching Luis go along you know obviously saturday was very different and you know i thought about this during game one here in houston it's a, it, it, it was probably the reverse of that feeling and you know, now we know what the Blue Jays felt like in that moment when we came charging back. And I, I said it throughout. I love the resilience of our team. I, I think there's this team never stops playing and never gives up. And that's a, that we saw play out on Saturday where we, it was the most improbable comeback, maybe in postseason history, and, and uh, made it happen. And it was so much fun. Did you ever lose, lose faith during that game? Were you kind of starting to think about what the next day would look like? Absolutely. And I don't really call that losing faith. I call it common sense. <laughs> Me too, Jerry. Me, Me too. Yeah, you know, I'll that's why I sent that, that tweet also. out, Jerry. I yeah. sent a tweet out Saturday down A1. I said, you know what? Positive guy here. Hey, this team's resilient. They're going to come back. They're going to do it on Sunday. Maybe I just shouldn't have hit send. Yeah. We're actively talking up in the in the team box about what the pitching looks like for the next day and, and how we're going to get through this particular day. And and while we have no, you know, there is no hotline to call the dugout and say, what does this look like? We always fall back to, you know, our pregame pitching call where we line everything up. And, and I will say that, the, you know, we've talked about it. We reference it as middle out. And, you know, on Saturday in Toronto, we executed middle out and, and it worked. It, it worked. By the end of the game, we still had, you know, our, our top pitchers ready to go. And, and it's, it's, amazing what happens when you just stick to a plant and we saw it play out in a very positive way on saturday in toronto so after that i mean you have the incredible celebration and and awesome must have been a blast i heard from everybody that their clothes all stunk like champagne and beer and what a what a just cool experience to have on the road there now do you have to use labats when you're in canada for the celebration or, or do you can you still bring your own no, we did not use Labatt's. And there's, as a matter of fact, there were no Canadian beers, which I find disappointing. <laughs> but, the, you know, 
my like most others, my my clothes smelled like champagne such that that I just threw them out when we got to Houston. You know, my wife Tammy and I just went and bought new clothes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so then you guys got to set your your roster for the division series. You went with exactly the same twenty six guys. What was that conversation like? You told us a week ago that there were some late changes and and decisions. What what else went into the decision to go with this twenty six again? You know, the, the biggest part of the decision for us was whether or not to carry three catchers. And, you know, when we made that decision, it was do we keep, you know, one extra arm down in the bullpen or do we carry the extra catcher? And, and ultimately, we decided to keep the extra catcher because it allowed us to, to, to use Luis Torrens as kind of a, a bullet during a game where if there is an opportunity to line him up against a left-hand pitcher, or there's just a chance to start him in a, in a game against a lefty. Just thought that that might be more valuable to us than carrying the extra arm with so many off days late into the series. So could we see him today against a pretty good lefty? I don't think you're going to see him start today, but you never, you never know. You could see him somewhere in there. That's the reason why we were carrying him. Okay, so then take us to Sunday, Monday, not only the roster decisions, and, and obviously Scott talked at length about this after the game Tuesday, kind of fi- finished the conversation, I think, yesterday, um, Jerry, but I'm curious from your perspective. You n- then spend Sunday, Monday putting the plan together, right? So you can be middle out, so you can figure this thing out. And Scott said, hey, listen, this was with Robbie. This is something that we had talked about, we had discussed. He, too, was going to be a bullet in that situation when it finally came to it. Tell us about your feelings and, and, and putting that plan together for Tuesday. You know, revisionist history is what it is, and we can all look back and think there must have been a better way. But we did what we wanted to do, and you know, it, it, when it comes down to it, the middle out process, when Logan Gilbert leaves that game, everybody in our bullpen has a pocket of hitters that is effectively assigned to that pitcher. And depending on the, I guess, the – the height of the leverage, it, you know, who's going to go in in that moment. But, you know, when we started the middle out, everybody was doing the thing that they were intended to do. And, you know, they were hitting their pocket and we're facing one of the best teams in baseball, uh, you know, and, and that's, and Jordan Alvarez is one of the best hitters in baseball. And there truly is no great matchup for Jordan and, and we don't have a great matchup for him. But in the end, we thought the best we could do is that if it came down to it and the game was on the line and Jordan Alvarez was standing in the box and you didn't have the ability to walk him, <laughs> as a, the best guy we had to face him was Robbie Ray. And, you know, Robbie, I, I think he said it best. He, he knew what pitch he wanted to throw. He just didn't get it where he wanted to get it. And and uh, that's what leads us to today and, and what I think is another day where we just lean on the rock and hopefully this team bounces back like they always have. Brock uh, asked me earlier a, a very challenging question. Then he asked Shannon the same question. I don't know that either of us had a good answer for it, but I'll ask you. Uh, maybe you can help. If that situation were to come up again tonight or tomorrow, w- how would you approach him the next time? I, I mean, ideally, you don't have to face him with uh, without the ability to put him on base. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really hard to, to walk the winning run on base with two outs in the ninth inning. And, you know, common baseball logic tells you not to do that. You know, th- that being said, right now, and we saw it in full force in game one, it wasn't just the home run. It was the, the screaming double off the right field wall. It was the ball off the top of the Crawford boxes and left. It's, it, it, you saw, you know, one of the top, 
two or three hitters in baseball locked in from the very get-go. And, and you know, what now maybe we do. Yeah, maybe we do walk them. Maybe we do. I, I do know this, that there is nobody down in that bullpen who's a better matchup for him than Robbie Ray. And, you know, that's with the exception of Andres Munoz, who's already gone. And, you know, Mooney had pitched already, and there wasn't really that opportunity. So, uh, you probably play it the same way we played it before, although this time you hope that he's not the winning run and you can just move on to the next. But trust me, Alex Bregman is no walk in the park. I, right. <laughs> this I is get, a really deep lineup. Yeah, I want to get to next, but I think it's just fascinating. And I love your transparency always, Jerry, for the fans. I think they do as well. You say definitively there a couple times, Robbie Ray, we know is the best matchup. We know that Robbie Ray what what makes you know that? Is that your data? Is that your numbers? Is that your analytics? Is that Robbie? What what makes you go into such a strong, definitive feeling like that? It's all those things. You know, there's Jordan has very few weaknesses, and you know, one of them happens to be a ball that's down and in. And you know, it's a it, and when I say weakness, it's all relative. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's just slightly less great than the other things that he does. And and uh, you know, Robbie has a pitch that he can get there, and and he just didn't do it. And he also has a slider. That if Jordan chases anything, it, it happens to be a left-hander's slider. And we just didn't get to that pitch. And, you know, credit, and I know Scott said this in his in his press time yesterday, you know, you, sometimes you have to give credit to, to the good hitters on the other side or the great hitters on the other side and acknowledge the fact that they are good too. But, you know, Robbie has those weapons. You're dealing with the defending American League Cy Young Award winner. He's no slouch either. And, you know, unfortunately, in this case, and, and I said it as we were walking out of the box after, you know, staring at the field for a little while, you know, we put ourselves in a great position and their best guys beat our best guys. And, and that's part of it. You know, I think when you talk about pockets, it's funny. I played some sound from Scott yesterday uh, where he was talking about that also. I think it's one of the things that maybe is not understood enough about the way you guys have treated your bullpen, especially is knowing which guys you can use in these specific pockets and which guys are available really for and can succeed against any type of situation, it seems like such an important part of not having a closer and, and, and the success that you've had with your style of, of, of a bullpen. It's what we've been doing now for, you know, dating back to September of 2020, really. And, you know, this is how we've managed our bullpen. In the time that we've been doing this, our bullpen has been one of the best in baseball. And Scott's decisions on, on how to, to manage his bullpen, I think, have been on par with the best in the league. And, and it's all due to the preparation that goes in on the front end. And, you know, I know Brock mentioned something about the data. We do. We look at how each hitter that we face reacts to each pitch that, that comes out of our bullpen, no matter which one of the pitchers is in there and, you know, who might be the best matchup for this guy and and that's how we line up our pockets and you know this team is particularly tough for us to match up against because they have a pocket that includes Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker, two dynamic left-handed hitters and in between them is sandwiched a righty who doesn't swing and miss. <laughs> so you have you have this combination of of players that's very hard to manage around and especially in an era where the reliever has to face three hitters. So it's, it's what makes Houston so difficult. You know, we, we made our way through a very difficult Toronto lineup and, and I will say we did it fairly well. 
and we got in here to Houston, and we made it through very well until we got to the to the eighth and ninth innings. When we truly, when we had our best guys on the mound, we like I said, we just didn't get it done. And and sometimes you have to acknowledge the fact that that they were better than you in that moment. Jerry, what do you think is going on with Robbie? I mean, he, he struggled in that start against Toronto, and then obviously the the tough at bat against Alvarez. Where is he at right now in terms of of his stuff, his command, et cetera? I, you know, I think he's in his normal place. It just so happens that the two worst matchups for Robbie in the league are Toronto and Houston. <laughs> and it just so happened to be that's the road that we have to take if we want to get to the ALCS. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's part of the reason why Robbie was coming out of the bullpen yesterday. We thought this was the way he could most impact this series was facing this pocket of hitters in a meaningful moment. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out for us, but Robbie's resilient. He's been through a ton in his career. He's been through a lot in his life. We have all the faith in the world that he'll bounce back. And, you know, if there's, if there is a more, uh, if there is a more weathered and, and tried and true pitcher in our bullpen or on our staff than Robbie Ray, I don't know who that might be. He's had a long and very good career. He's had big moments and, and he's emotionally resilient, and I think he will be this time. Well, there's not a more talented pitcher than the guy getting the ball today. Goldie told us about the shove report on Monday that Luis Castillo, I think, broke your shove report, Jerry. So I don't know. Your data guys, everybody's got to refigure and recalibrate because <laughs> if you're at 100, we got to do something to, uh, to up the ante a little bit. What, what will be critical for him today against this lineup? I, I think just pitching ahead, you know, and, and it's funny, our, our – Scoring on our shove report is very hard to do. And, you know, at the, that outing by Luis was the first time since we created this report, you know, seven years ago that we've had a score of 100, which is a, just a perfect outing. And the, 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 our score for the game was 100. So that included, you know, Andres Munoz, uh, part that the part he played in last Friday's game. But, you know, for Luis, the big thing is working out in the count. The, the Astros don't chase very often they're not a big swing and miss team they do put it in play and he is a pitch to contact guy you saw it in toronto he he gets ahead and he forces you to put the ball in play and he limits the hard contact and if he can i i guess if he can enact that same recipe in houston that he did in toronto i think you'll see similar results because his stuff is just that good and and when you're ahead and you're dominating the zone the way he did in toronto they're really hard to do anything with him uh, kind of two parts to this question. The first is you mentioned uh, that Terence probably wouldn't be in the lineup necessarily today. Will we likely see Dylan Moore in left field? I think you will. The second part of that question, in and it's related, is how comfortable has Jared Kelnick looked so far? I did. I, this dates through the month of September, and I know that the the raw numbers for JK didn't look terrific in September, but his process was awesome. And I'm so happy for him that he broke through in Houston with with a couple of knocks. They're both the easy swings, those low tracers to the opposite field. And he's just been in such a good place since he came back to the big leagues and, and good for Jared and and good for us. It's a, it's, it's such a positive to have him contribute and to watch his confidence start to, to really, flourish again after what was a really tough start to his season and and I'm happy for him 
you got to see Verlander for the seventh time. I mean, a remarkable seventh time, and you got to him in ways that that he hadn't been hit before. You get to see Valdez now for the third time. He'll be making his third start, the lefty, uh, for Houston today. What will be some keys, Jerry, for all of us to watch as you try to get after him? Uh, hopefully we can do it a little quicker than we did against Verlander. <laughs> you know, it's a one for seven. But, you know, in in Framber's case, he's about as good as it gets in terms of left-hand sinker ballers. And very hard guy to lift. The big thing with Framber is just making sure you stay in the middle of the field. You know, if, if you're trying to pull the ball against sinker ballers like that, it, it can turn into a very long day. So staying easy, staying up the middle, forcing him to throw the ball over the plate. It's so much of what he does is underneath the strike zone or, or off the edges with the movement that he creates with his fastball and his cutter. And you know, he's, he's tough. He's, he's one of the better pitchers in the league. And like we've talked about with this Houston team, it's, you know, one through 26, they're as talented as anybody in baseball. And, you know, if we want to get to, to the place we want to be, we're going to have to go through these guys and we're going to have to go through these pitchers because every one of them is uh, is Cy Young quality, including for Amber. Yeah, just to, to Jerry's point, he led the league, right, in home runs per nine, uh, half a home run per nine innings, tops in, in the American League. So definitely hard to lift the ball, and especially in that ballpark, pretty impressive with the number of righties that he'd be facing. Have you, um, Jerry, have you started thinking about Saturday? I know you, it's one game at a time for the players, but you thought at all what it's going to be like to, to be here at T-Mobile on Saturday for the first time in two decades? Oh, I think it very much will feel like a tense man in, in our favor. And I know the guys are really looking forward to it. And, you know, first goal is to, to get there with a, an even series and, and allow our environment to help us. And, you know, it's it, it's such a, a fun thing. We experienced so many positives over the course of the, the these last two or three weeks you know, clinch day back in Seattle, the the win in Toronto. I'm not sure any of them could hold a candle to going and playing at home in front of our fans in what we think is going to be a crazy environment. You know, last week when we spoke, we talked about the the raucous environment that that exists at Rogers Center up in Toronto. And and you know, after the the two games, I thought, yeah, you know, it was pretty loud, and they were into it. But it's not T-Mobile Park. We, we we feel like when we get home, the way our fans have been behind us and is is huge. And you know, now that like I said, the key is to get there in an even series and let them let them help us do the work. Yeah, we're kind of seeing in playoff baseball an old adage that my dad, when it comes to watching these games and, and playoffs and everything, my my old high school football coach and my dad used to say, hey, man, when the lights get the brightest, your biggest stars need to shine. You need to be at your best when the moment is the biggest. And that's why I thought Julio on Tuesday was going to shine, that, you know, he was fine in Toronto, but he wasn't the story. There were other stars. But, you know, you get to Verlander, you're leading the game off, you get a walk. He absolutely shined on Tuesday. Uh, Jerry, just take me into what you've seen from Julio, and I'm curious if he ever comes up to you like he did on that elliptical when he was 17 and says, hey, what's up? <laughs> he always does. That's, uh, you know, that's Julio's personality. And, you know, he, he, he looked like the star that he has become in game one of this series. And, and really, I feel like he's played that way throughout in our three postseason games, you know, in Toronto, there's, he didn't, he didn't pile up hits the way he did the other night here or the other afternoon here in Houston, but he hit screamers all over the field. They they just were at 
uh, he hit him right at defenders. He's been in an awesome place. Uh, he does things that that no one his age has done in in some of these instances, and including a double and a triple. I think he hit the hardest ball that's been hit off Justin Verlander since 2017, and uh, it's it's so exciting what he brings to the field every day. But you said it. It's your, it's your your stars. Your best players need to step up, and we've seen that from Julio, from Luis Castillo, from Andres Munoz, from Gino Suarez. These guys have stepped up, and they've done big things. You know, JP Crawford's had big moments already in in his first postseason, and it's exciting to watch these guys. Ty France, you know, has, has been spraying line drives around the field. Our guys are doing what they do. You know. We are one, truly one pitch away from having a magical ride through these first three games, and, and we need to remember that, that we're good. you got to win three out of four to advance. What do the Mariners need to do to accomplish that? We need to get back to, to the things we do on the mound. Our, our offense is, is delivering. They're doing awesome things, really. We, we couldn't have hoped for more than what we're getting, and, and uh, we're hitting the ball, we're using the field, we're strike zone and and it's not just been homers no it's it's been just good hitting all the way around and and you know that's the the pitching that we need to do the things that we did all year to get ourselves here and you know we need to throw strike one we can't work behind in the count and and while you're going to give up an occasional homer and especially to some of the teams that we face these are high-powered teams you can't issue the walk. You just can't let the walk happen. And you know, and if that's if we looked at at game one of this series in, introspectively, that's the moment that hurts. It's the moment where you hit the number nine hitter, which is in fact what brings Framber to the plate. You know, it's the the moment that you issue the sloppy walk in the seventh inning that allows, or the the eighth inning that allows, you know, the 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 middle of that lineup to get you know in a position to win the game and and that's the thing that we've done really as as well as anybody in baseball is that we don't issue that walk and you know here in the last couple of games you know especially with the Saturday game in Toronto and and the game here we have issued that walk and and it has hurt you know we've given up runs as a result and and we can't let that happen we need to to focus on the the strike zone and if we do that i think we're going to be in great shape well wow. this is it's been a ton of fun uh oh you know i forgot to play i was going to play you your sound of you saying that championship teams have Adam Frazier's. I was thinking about it after he came up with that huge hit. Uh, we all were, I think, uh, on Saturday. But, Jerry, uh, this has been a ton of fun, fun ride. When we talk to you next week, uh, let's hope that we're uh, getting ready for the ALCS. Thank you, and uh, good luck today and through the rest of the series, and uh, welcome back home on Saturday. Really appreciate it, guys. Looking forward to it.